0: The 2nd Corinthians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. For we are unto God a sweet favor of Christ, in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are the favor of death unto death, and to the other the favor of life unto life especially in verse 16 to the one we are the favor of death unto death and to the other the favor of life unto life now the christian faith is a great mystery which nobody can understand until he personally becomes converted. It is as easy to explain to somebody who is not a Christian what the Christian life is like as it is to explain to a blind man what the colors of the rainbow look like. There is in the Christian life the mystery of paradox that is to say there are things in a believer's life which are a sort of apparent contradiction now you get a lot of this here in chapter 4 and 6 of the epistle to the Corinthians the second epistle let me just show you some of the things that Paul says in connection with this mystery of the christian faith i'm reading here a few verses in chapter 4 of this letter just over the page beginning at verse 7 but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of god and not of us we are troubled on every side yet not distressed we are perplexed but not in despair persecuted but not forsaken cast down but not destroyed always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body now he is describing his own experience as a preacher but also as a christian and you see there he is saying things which almost amount to a contradiction they are certainly a paradox always bearing about in the body the dying of the lord jesus but the life also of jesus might be manifest in us Cut down but not forsaken and so on Then you get a similar set of statements in chapter 6, where I point you now to verse 8. 2 Corinthians 6, beginning to read a few verses at verse 8. Again, he is talking about his experience as a preacher, but also as a Christian. How do we commend the gospel he is talking about? Now, verse 8. By honor and dishonor by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many riches, as having nothing and yet possessing all things, Now isn't it strange that the Apostle would describe his experience like that? As dying, and behold, we live. As having nothing, and yet possessing all things. And so he goes on. So you see the point that I make, illustrated in chapters 4 and 6. Particularly so. It seems to be one of the features of 2 Corinthians, that there are these paradoxes, these seeming contradictory statements laid side by side. And he does this in order to show the mystery of the Christian's experience. Nobody can enter into this unless he has the grace of God. Well then, briefly, he is meaning this. Our experience, as the people of God, is full of difficulties. We experience disappointments and fears, we have our hopes dashed, and everything seems to be going hard with us, as the people of God. And yet, God is always secretly doing something true, and in spite of our sufferings, to bring blessing to us and to bring blessing to others. That really, I think, is a fair summary of it. Our own lives are consciously affected by weakness and by even by sickness and trouble and trial, disappointment, all of these things. And yet God is working in spite of that and even because of that and through that to do us good and to do others good. Samuel Rutherford in his very famous letters says something which struck me recently as I was having another look at those great and famous letters. Listen to this. He said, I have come to see that the way to have Christ with me daily in the Christian life is always to desire to have his cross upon me I'm afraid he said of losing the difficulty of the Christian life because I discover that when I do that I lose the blessing of the Christian life it's only as we are in the conscious difficulties that we experience the conscious presence of Christ who are the wise ones among you that experience this who are the thoughts of God amongst you my friends who could say an amen to Samuel Rutherford it's not every Christian not every born again person who has come to that point of maturity but it is certainly true the more we experience of sorrow and loss for Christ's sake the more he will draw near to us as our compensation we have another of these famous paradoxes somewhere else in, I think, Chapter 4, but I won't draw attention to it except to mention it, and that is this. Do you remember where he says, the outward man is daily perishing, but the inward man is being daily renewed? Now there's another of these paradoxes. These are parents' contradictions, which is true in the experience of the Lord's people now why do I mention this it is to bring to you the message which we find in our text because here also surely in our text there is another of these paradoxes let's look at it again i read the text again at verse 15 we are unto God a sweet favor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish to the one we are the favor of death unto death and to the other the favor of life unto life I want to open out this text in these two verses and I wish to do so under these three headings for your convenience that you might have a handle the better to remember what we are saying the first thing to notice here is let us see what God thinks about true gospel preaching let us see what God thinks about true gospel preaching that's the first thing secondly let us see what the effect of true gospel preaching is upon those who reject it and third let us see what the effect of true gospel preaching is on those who believe it and receive it so we'll look at it in that order and first of all then that brings me to talk about this what is god's view of true and sound gospel preaching and gospel witnessing now we mustn't confine this exclusively to the pulpit. of course it is abundantly true of that but it has its application to all faithful testimony to the gospel. Faithful witness bearing to the gospel. Now we have the statement given in verse 15 which answers to this heading. We are unto God a sweet favor of Christ. We are unto God a sweet favor of Christ. Now what is meant by a sweet favour? That's something we shall need to make clear to ourselves. In the Old Testament, as everybody knows, they used to offer sacrifices and offerings to God within the tabernacle and temple. These sacrifices were of various kinds. Sometimes they took a, a, an animal, a domesticated animal, It might be a sheep or a goat or something like that. And then they would cut its throat and uh, pour out the blood and sprinkle it in certain ways, as we've talked about on a number of occasions. And then they would chop it up into its various pieces and place it on top of wood, on top of the fire, on this brass altar. And the fire was then applied to it and the whole was consumed. Now, where this was done in accordance with the Old Testament law, we are told that God smelled a sweet savour in that sacrifice. And of course, we have to understand that as being God using human language so that we can appreciate his attitude. God, of course, does not smell as we do. Or hear as we do. He doesn't have these bodily organs of sense and smell he doesn't need to because he knows all things but what it is it tells us what God thinks about that sacrifice when the sacrifices of the Old Testament were offered to God with true love and true devotion to the Lord then God's attitude towards them was one of pleasure and delight Mm -hmm. in other words God delights in the worship and especially in the public worship of his people god delights in the act of public worship when his people call upon his name in the assembled gathering well we know this is true from a thousand things in scripture we know it's true because he has told us never to forsake the gathering of ourselves together in worship we know it is true because jesus never left an occasion Unused in which he went to the, Sabbath, to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as Scripture tells us. God delights in the corporate, gathered worship of his people. And of course the lesson is never to be absent if we can avoid it, if we can help it. But the point I'm bringing you to see is this. God smelled a sweet flavor in that worship. Now the same is true when you think of the incense. On the Day of Atonement, as you remember, the High Priest went into the Holy of Holies, the innermost sanctuary of the tabernacle or temple. And he had to take the blood of a slain beast with him, but also he took an incense holder, something like a brass or gold cup, and inside it there was this burning incense which gave a fragrant smell and the smoke ascended and went up, and God, as it were, smelled a fragrance in that act of ceremonial worship. Now this is the illustration, my friends, that God here in Scripture uses about sound preaching. We say the Apostle Paul, we who truly preach Christ, we are the favor of Christ a sweet favor to God of Christ in those who hear us that's the first thing then that we should see and you know my brethren we need to be told this you need to know this and we poor preachers need to know this because need I say it because this is not the world's view of faithful preaching This is not the view of the local papers and those who write in them. This is not the view of the BBC or the IBA or these great companies and corporations. This is not their view of preaching. The preachers who get all the praise from men in this world, of course, are those who are excellent at their little after-dinner speeches at burn suppers and at the sort of minister who can crack jokes, as they call it, and amuse the people, and sometimes talk about undesirable and even questionable stories to gain a cheap laugh. And Jesus' words are true to this day. Woe unto you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers unto the false prophets. Blessed are ye when all men speak Evil of you falsely for my sake Rejoice and be exceeding glad For so did thou fathers unto the prophets That were before you My friend, it's a comfort to know this That whatever people in this world May think about the preaching of the gospel And the proclaiming of Christ And the setting forth of gospel truth In congregation God sets a high value upon it we are unto God a sweet favor of Christ. And God thinks that because, you see, there is a sense in which God himself is always in the congregation. God is the witness to what is being said. He is the witness to your worship. God knows the attitude of your heart when you come to his house. And he knows whether the preaching is sound or unsound true or false, whether men are being faithful to his word or not, whether men are squeezing his word like plasticine in order to accommodate the desires of the audience, that they're hearing what they want to hear, and they're being given simply what they want to know and nothing else. The hard things are all screened away, and people are being given things that are palatable and smooth instead of faithful and true and good for the soul. So let us then be comforted in that way. And you see there's a connection with the end of verse 14. God makes us always to triumph in Christ and makes us manifest the favor of his knowledge by us in every place. So my friends, as we go about this world, as you speak a word for Christ in the sight of God, that is the sweet favor of Christ. It's like sprinkling perfume about wherever you go to bring comfort and fresh refreshing to those nearby. So it seems to God speaking in this way, in a human way. It is to God of sweet favor of Christ. Now then, secondly, let us see what the effect of our preaching and witness has upon those who reject it. And here we are brought into verse 15. In them that perish and in them that are saved. We are unto God a sweet favor of Christ in them that are saved, verse 15, and in them that perish. So in other words, we are now considering two types of persons who listen to this preaching, who come to church, let us say, or who are influenced by the testimony of God's people. One of these classes of persons are called those who are being saved. And the other class is called those who perish. And in verse 16 he says, To the one class we are the favor of death unto death. Those, of course, are the ones perishing. And to the other the favor of life unto life. So my second heading is this, The Effect of Our Preaching Upon Those Who Reject It. We are to these persons, says Paul, the favor of death unto death. Another way of putting it is this. when the people come to God's house and hear Christ made available to them through faith. And when they decide in their own hearts that they will not believe, they reject Christ. They are not prepared to choose then something is happening within them they may not be aware of it but they are growing worse they weren't saved before but when they hear this gospel and reject it they are perishing all the more so the effect of hearing the gospel upon this class of hearers is that they are finding the gospel the favor of death unto death. Let me explain it again. There are persons spoken of here in this text as those who are perishing. In other words, they have one foot in hell already. They're not yet lost because they're still in this life. There is still hope for them that yet, even yet they may repent and choose Christ. But they haven't yet done so, these people. Now, they're not those who are unevangelized. These are the people who hear the word of God. And they come to God's house, and they are aware of the gospel. They know why Christ died. But they are perishing because they refuse to bow their knee to this Christ. They're in a perishing condition. They have, as I say, one foot in hell already. And they're in danger of having both feet there very soon, when death comes along. Now when these people, says Paul, hear the gospel preached, it is a deadly favor to them, a favor of death. That is to say, there is something within them that hates it. They dislike the challenge of the gospel. To them it is a smell which is deadly. It's an offensive thing, the offense of the cross. They don't like the call of God to repent. They can't part with the world. They don't want to give up their earthly pleasure for the sake of Christ. They're not willing to turn their back upon the old life. And so when they hear the challenge of Christ to repent and turn to God, to them it is nauseating. For them it is a a bad smell in their nose, so to speak. Not only that, but it is not simply a favor of death, but it is a favor of death unto death. And that means to say the effect of this preaching is that they only grow worse under it. And they grow worse under it because the more they hear it and the more they reject it, the more guilty they become. The more a person hears of the truth of Christ and says, I do not want to submit to that doctrine, the more their heart becomes harder. Every time they hear a sermon and say to God, I shall not believe this message, then there is a hardening effect takes place upon them. It is another blow of the hammer, another knocking in of the nail, into the coffin of their doom. It is a savor, in other words, says Paul, of death unto death. Now, Mark, you. This is not the preacher's fault. The Apostle Paul is saying this. And Jesus Christ says similar things. And it doesn't matter how eloquent the preacher may be, or how well studied. He may know his Hebrew, his Greek, his Syriac, his Aramaic, He may be fluent in these and other languages. He may be perfect in diction. His argumentation may be irrefutably clear and sound. But this is something which derives from the fact that men have chosen to refuse that message. And the effect of the blessed gospel upon them, says Paul, is that the preaching which is so glorious, the preaching which would give them heaven if only they would believe it, is in the experience of these people a favor of death unto death they're getting worse they're getting harder every gospel sermon they hear they become less inclined to believe it every time they hear the challenge of Christ they put it off the more and so become rapid harder now it is because there is such an experience of this in men's lives that the gospel hardens people, or some people, it is because of that that we have some of the most remarkable passages anywhere in the Bible itself. If we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation. Now that's one passage which refers to people who hear so much of the beautiful gospel of Christ and who close the door. You see the gospel is becoming a favorite of death unto death to such people. Or again, you get this, it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gifts and remain partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away to renew them again to repentance seeing made crucified to themselves the Son of God of Christ and put into an open shame. Now there is something for us all to learn from that. My dear friend, if you are here today and you have hardened your heart against Christ and his gospel I tenderly ask you to think again. The sun that melts the butter hardens the clay. The same gospel that saves believers causes those that refuse to believe it to become but the worst. Peter says this at the end of one chapter in his second letter. It would have been better for them not to have known the holy commandment than to have known it and to have turned away from it. There are too many people like that in this world. And they're not all an extinct race, I am afraid. Now, thirdly, let us see what the effect of sound preaching is on those who believe it. <coughs> I read again our text at verse 15. We are unto God a sweet favor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish to the one we are the favor of death unto death and to the other the favor of life unto life and of course you see now that I'm coming to describe the effect of the gospel on those who believe it the gospel of Paul is the favor of life unto life to those who believe it now the people described here are those who are being saved it is the present it is the present tense the present tense in the original language those who are being saved those who are in the process of being saved the present participle those who are under the influence of salvation they have been born again but they're not yet in heaven let's remember that my dear friends You may have made a profession of faith in Christ, but you're not yet in heaven. So treat yourself as very fragile. Until you get to heaven, you must guard your soul very jealously. Don't be careless about the things of God. Who knows whether you may not get to heaven at all? Your profession of faith may be worth nothing until you make it pure and certain. You say you've been born again. How do you know? If you're careless about the things of God, you may not have been born again. It may have been some temporary experience that wasn't salvation. And that's why, you see, the Bible talks about salvation under three different tenses. I have been saved. I am being saved. I shall be saved. Past, present, and future. Now the people talked about this. Talked about in this text of being saved, the present tense. They have not yet got the glory, so they still got to watch and pray and be vigilant and careful in case their profession of faith turns out to be empty and of no account. So they don't be slack. Let us take heed lest there be in any one of them evil heart of unbelief. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? You've only got to neglect it. That's all you have to do, neglect it, and you won't escape. Preach the gospel carelessly, and you won't escape, says the writer. (coughs) Now, what's happening to these persons? Well, says Paul, the preaching of the gospel to these that have faith is, it's the favor of life. Now, what does that mean? It means that they love it. It means that the gospel preaching to those that have faith is glorious. They love the sound of the truth. They love the preaching of the truth. They hunger for it. Their lives radiate this love of the truth. They come to hear it week in and week out, year in and year out. They never tire of hearing about Christ and his death on the cross these people we could say have one foot in heaven already they're not there yet but they have one foot there and soon both people will be there they are being saved and the gospel to them is a favor of life more than that it's not simply says Paul a favor of life it is a favor of life life. it is a favor of life unto life that is to say what is the effect of this preaching upon them. The effect of hearing the preaching upon those that have life is that they have more life. They increase in this life. They grow in this life. In other words, they become sanctified by the truth. They become fortified and strengthened in mind and heart by the truth. The truth leads them on from strength to strength the truth leads them us from glory to glory. How does the preaching do this? By ever increasing their knowledge of God. They are growing in faith and every grace. My friends, we must ask ourselves what the effect of our hearing of the gospel is having upon us. You must ask it, and I must ask it. Do we regard it as something which is a deadly, dull, boring drug? Do we drag ourselves to God's house because, to us, it's sheer purgatory to come to hear the preaching of the gospel? Do we find all our pleasure in the dance hall or the bingo hall? So with all our ambitions to watch more television and more football and more music and all these other things, if so, then the gospel, alas, is the favor of death to On the other hand, if we love it and come because it is the truth of Christ, then we have every reason to hope that what God has begun in us He will perform unto the day of Jesus Christ May each one of us find strength to search and try his ways today. The favor of the gospel is to God a sweet-smelling thing. My friends, let it be so to all of us.